first portion. So this is about a 20-minute lesson where um, we just kind of, the kids are in Sunday school downstairs. We jump into something from the Word of God, and then we'll move right back into a worship service, and then we'll hear the message um, before we leave and have a chance to respond at an altar. So um, we have been doing um, a Deeper Water series since, I think it's been since November, and the series has been Born Again. Right, that's been that's been the that's been the topic. We have the slide. There it is, born again. And you know, it's interesting because this this gets talked about a lot. You hear this again. This is kind of common Christian vernacular, like you're you're born again. But this has real biblical roots, and uh, we've been diving deep into these biblical roots during the series. And Jesus said at one point, the first time you hear about being born again, um, Jesus is talking about it, and and literally one of the Pharisees at the time is just. He's shocked. He's like, what are you talking about, about being born again? And Jesus tells him, hey, marvel not that you have to be born again. Basically, he's saying, don't be shocked. Don't be weirded out. <laughs> you have to be born again, but it's not what you're thinking, right? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so we've been talking about that the last few weeks, and it's a great topic. I'm excited about today. So if you will turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. It says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So we hear this term, the gospel, right here. And and Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, and he's like, hey, don't be afraid to suffer. (laughs) First off, if anybody's going to lead with that, you 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 probably have some more questions. Don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. And, uh, and, and Paul's leading us with that. And so today I want to talk to you about this topic, the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel. Look at your neighbor. All right, look back at me. Here we go. <laughs> Who here likes good news? Hope you guys are ready for the deeper waters. Who here does not like bad news? It will get deeper at some point. The good news... <laughs> When somebody calls you up, right, or, or, or catches you in the hall, depending on the person, right, and they're like, hey, I've got some good news for you, you know, maybe it incites some happiness. So I'll tell you this, like, if the, if the chair of the department that I work for ever stops by and is like, Chad, I have some good news, I'm going to be really pumped because I'm either getting more money or <laughs> maybe we're getting some new equipment because, you know, that's just, that's just, that's good news. I want to hear it. But at the same time, if he's like, Chad, I got some bad news. You know, what happens when somebody does that to you? They're like, hey, I have some bad news I need to share with you. Got a grave in face, right? They're looking kind of stressed. You know, you can literally, like, feel your heart drop. Like, it could have just been something small, but, man, you know, your body just goes into defense mode. Like, this is going to be the worst news of my life, and it's going to be terrible. You know, we love good news. We hate bad news. So that's deeper waters, guys. We're looking, I'm just kidding. Um, but how many have ever had this question, like, or have had this one thrown at you? I've got some good news for you, and I've got some bad news for you. You've heard that one? And then they're like, so which one do you want to hear first? <laughs> if you're like me, always the bad news first. Let's get the bad news out of the way, and then let's hear, you know, let's end on a high note and see what happens. But you know, as humans, we really don't like bad news, and here's why. Um, number one, there's only two reasons. Number one, we don't like bad things to happen to us. I think we can all agree on that. And then number two, we don't like change, especially if we're comfortable. 
So like if I'm in a bed of fire ants, I, I would like to change out of that situation, right? But if I'm happy with my life, I'm happy with uh, just my career, I'm just, everything's going good, especially coming out of 2020. Like, let's just leave things alone. Let's not make things change for no reason because it probably will change for the worse. Um, but if you've ever read the Bible through, uh, especially the Old Testament, there was some bad news that was delivered to the people of God. In fact, I would broadly classify that the last 16 books of the Old Testament, this is just me, starting with Jeremiah, ending with Malachi, overall, there's some good news in there, but overall, those books have some bad news in them for the people of God. Um, and here's why. Number one, bad things were, being, were happening to them, and the prophets were telling them of the bad things that were going to happen. And then number two, it was also telling them that there was going to be a lot of change for them in their future. Their home was going to change. Their, their, the way they worshiped God was going to change. The land that they lived was going to Everything was going to change. So for the last 16 books of the Old Testament, there was a lot of bad news coming to the people of God. But this bad news wasn't coming because God was just being punitive. The bad news came as a result of what? Anybody know? Sin. Yes. The bad news came as a result of sin. And sin is bad news, guys. It really is. And it's always been bad news. And it started with those last 16 uh, books of the Old Testament. Really, the sin had caught up to the people of God. But this started in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Let's jump there. I'll catch you up on what's happened so far. Adam and Eve, the first man and woman are in the garden. God gives them one instruction. Don't eat of this particular fruit. We know that they ate of that particular fruit. And this is where we are <laughs> after that event. When the cold evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And right off the bat in Genesis, the book of beginnings, we find out that sin is like a repulsion magnet. I looked that up. That's actually the right way to say it. It's a repulsion magnet between God and man. Because the second humanity sins, what do they do? They hide themselves from God, right? They're just like, I don't want to be seen by God right now because there is sin present. And that is just something that man automatically does. And guess what? 6,000 years later, according to dates in the Bible, we are still hiding from God when we sin. There's something innately inside of us that when we're not doing right, we don't necessarily want to be in the presence of God because we know that we've done something that is wrong and we don't want to have to face that judgment. But guess what? If you turn to Psalm chapter 5, verse 4, the aftermath of sin isn't just one way. It's not just us running from God. Look what the Bible says happens when we sin as far as God looks at humanity. It says, for thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says it like this. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Well, this, this escalated quickly, right? They ate the fruit they weren't supposed to eat. We have humanity hiding from God. But guess what? We see this block, this, this thing between God and humanity now, and it's called sin, right? It separates us from God, and, and God does not want to be in the presence of sin, especially 
when he knows that we know better, right? So this is bad news, and that was the case in the Old Testament. When you're going throughout the, the, the last 16 books, you see that the children of Israel, God's chosen people, have chosen to sin over and over, over and over. He's turned his eyes. He's, he's tried to work with them, but it's gotten to the point where the sin has built up so much that his face is hid from them, and they're running from him, and it just doesn't look like this is going to work out. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 says it like this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And that iniquity comes from sin. And that iniquity only has one outcome. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. That's harsh, man. That's it. That is what sin costs. And so all throughout this Old Testament, we're reading through it. And, and we see that the wages of sin have come up, and spiritual death has already happened, but even physical death can result from sin. And so Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, shows us a glimmer of hope, right? So here is the bad news. Sin was the bad news. The bad news was delivered. But there was just this ray of good news that came with the bad news in Jeremiah, which if you read through Jeremiah, there's a lot of bad news in there for the people of God. But look at this. Look at this sliver of hope. It says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves a wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. What a great promise. In the middle of some really bad news being delivered, Jeremiah is telling us about a time that's coming, because at the time of Jeremiah... This was just hope for the future. This was not their present. But that sounds a lot. We hear this, and we hear about, hey, there, there, there's going to be an opportunity. God's going to write something on their hearts. That sounds a lot like a change of heart, right? That sounds a lot like being born again. Being born again is being talked about, even in the Old Testament, even though it, it might not have been realized at the time. And so, like, that's, a, that's amazing news. There's some bad news, but, like, at least there's some hope here. But how is this going to happen? Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 tells us that, in the midst of all the bad news being delivered, that God had a plan. And in chapter 7, verse 14 of Isaiah, he says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Absolutely. So you, you might be out there wondering, what does that mean, God with us? What is, the, what, what is that going to look like, God with us? Well, I'm glad you asked, because Isaiah chapter 53 verses 7 through 11, tells us how this plan is going to take place. Bad news all around. Just judgments, sin is everywhere. We know that there's a plan for a new covenant. Uh, but what's it going to look like? You know, how's, how's it going to happen? This, this, look, listen to this passage. It tells us exactly how it's going to happen. Isaiah, who has clearly seen a vision, because this has not happened yet, is describing what he, see, what he sees. And he says, he was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep is silent before her shearers, so he did not open his mouth. Unsightly condemned, he was led away. 
No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, and he had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear their sins. Not bad. All right, that's a good hope. That's some promise. There we go. But that's kind of messy, isn't it? If you read that and you don't know the end of the story, it's a little, it's, it's a little messy, honestly. God's going to come down and be with us, but he's going to be buried like a criminal. He's going to suffer grief and pain. He's going to be an offering for sin for what? Like what? Okay, God's going to be born with us, and all of this is going to happen to him. But then it, there's a key part in there, and it says his experience will cause many to be counted as righteousness, for he will bear their sins. And more than that, anyone who is redeemed becomes a descendant of his. Descendants are born after the ancestor, right? So we're going to be born again, but this time, it's not about being born again into a new literal family. It's about being born into Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's all about being born again and being born into Jesus Christ. But man, that is, he's got to go through a lot of stuff for that to happen. We should like celebrate, but then feel guilty at the same time, right? Anybody ever had that one happen? I watched the Chiefs beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl last year. Weird, weird emotions. Uh, sin is messy. <laughs> so sometimes is this. I'll tell you what I'm thankful for, though. I'm thankful for a God who is like, I don't like sin. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I like you so much, I will get all mixed up and messed up in this sinful life that you have. I will come down. I will live among you. I will take on all of those sins, and I will die on a cross because of how much he loves and cares for us. And if we're here, you know what? We can get ourselves into a mess, and God doesn't just say your mess is fine. That's not how that works. Come as you are. But he doesn't just say your mess is fine, just keep living in it. No, he's like, I'm going to come in there. And I'm going to help you get rid of the stuff that you need to get rid of. I'm going to help get you on to the right track. And he does that by helping us to be born again. And so Isaiah brings us some good news in the middle of all of that bad news. Years later, years later, after this prophecy, Jesus the Messiah would be born. Um, fast forward, Jesus' life is happening. And he's going around, he's healing the sick. He's saying sins are forgiven. He's teaching about the kingdom of God, and he walks into a synagogue in Nazareth. He opens to the very book of Isaiah we were just reading out of. He opens up to that book, and this is what he says. Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 21 gives us an account of what happens next. Jesus walks up, and it says here, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel the good news to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and all eyes were on him. 
all eyes were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears, which is not a loss of significance to those people because they had heard for 16 books, bad news. Guys, sin has separated you from God. Sin is causing death. Sin is terrible. And now Jesus is going to stand up in the middle of their synagogues and tell them, hey, you know that little bit of hope <laughs> that was shared way back there in Isaiah? Guess what, guys? Today it's fulfilled, and I am that hope. And he closed the book, and he walked away, and we had the gospel born in Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus would fulfill every prophecy of the Old Testament. You can cross-check it. People have for centuries. Every prophecy of the Old Testament, Jesus would fulfill. He would deliver hope to the hopeless. He would heal the sick. He would raise the dead. He would change the world as God manifest in the flesh. He would also suffer. He would ultimately die and be buried as a criminal, only to be resurrected, but yet seen by thousands of witnesses. And he would ascend up into heaven. And he did all of this. And he left us with the most powerful tool that we have today as humanity. He left us the gospel. He left us the power of the gospel, the power of the good news. The bad news that you read, that, that's of no effect right now. Because the Bible says he came and he fulfilled every part of the law. So he fulfilled all that bad stuff. Sin had to have a price paid for it. All of that bad stuff had to be paid. But guess what? Jesus is like, I took care of all of that stuff. He fulfilled all of that. And now, man, it's, it's kind of tough living in 2021 maybe, but you know what? We just have the good news. We just have the gospel. We just have the path to salvation. We have the restoration message. And so for us today, for us today, we are so blessed really to live in this time spiritually because all that's left now for this time is the good news, and that's what we have. We have the gospel, and you know what that gospel is? Sin exists, and it's bad, but hey, Jesus has already conquered all of that sin, and we can come to an altar, and we can repent, and we can say, God, I'm sorry that those sins happened. I'm sorry that I did those things, and you know what? We're forgiven. He'll forgive us of all of our sins, and we can actually be born again, be being baptized in Jesus' name. We can be filled with his spirit, and you know what? Being born again, we have a new life opportunity this morning. How many have ever just been like, I need, some, I need to start over. Like, I need a new start on this. We do it January 1st every year, right, with a diet and exercise or whatever it is. And we're just like, I want to, it's going to happen. This is my year. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But do you know what the beauty of being in this country and being alive and being healthy? It's your choice, man. If you fall off that wagon, it's your own fault talking to myself right now <laughs> but you know what we have that same choice with God every single day we can wake up and we can literally be born again and have a new life and you know what if you messed up yesterday guess what it'll work again today we can repent we can have that great news that Jesus can forgive our sins he can heal our hearts he can change our lives he can change our marriages he can change our finances it's all positive it's all hope The gospel is truly the good news. And you know what? I've been born and raised around a church, and I'm so thankful for it. And I've heard about the gospel my whole life. And uh, sometimes familiarity, got that out, can, uh, can make us a little comfortable or something where we lose the significance. And we have to be reminded of it. 
It's not that we choose to not value something. We just have to be reminded of it. And, you know, going through this lesson and going through the message and just, just seeing how impactful the gospel really is for us today, how we can share that good news. It's such an awesome experience. And, and it just hit me different this time. Because you know what? It doesn't matter. You're born and raised in church. We need the good news every day. Because things can come out of life and just blast us that we never saw coming. And you know what? Guess what? The gospel isn't just for a new convert. It's for me. It's for, all, it's for you. It's for everybody. That good news is still spread for every one of us. So I'm so thankful for that this morning. And, and I couldn't get a song out of my head. And I don't usually in deeper waters this way, but there's, there's a song by Ryan Stevenson. It's called The Gospel, and if the, if the sound team has that, they can start getting that ready. And it just kept running through my head, and it just, I, just, I kept listening to it. And I was like, you know what? The power of the gospel, it means something different for every one of us. It does. It depends on where you're at in life, but it doesn't lose its power for me. It doesn't lose its power for you. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've gone through. That gospel is still good news in the middle of a really bad situation. And so I thought it would be great. Praise team, feel free to come up after this song is played. I thought it would be great if we could throw, throw that video up there and just listen to the song before we move on with service. A restless generation we're turning over every stone, hoping to find salvation in a world that's left us cold. Can we get back to the altar, back to the arms of our first love? There's only one way to the Father, and He's calling out to us. To the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home. To the skeptic, it might sound crazy to believe in a God who loves. In a world where our hearts are breaking and we're lost in the mess we've made. Like a blinding light in the dead of night. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. It's the good news for us all. It's greater than religion. It's the power of the cross. So can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love. There's only one way to the Father. And he's calling out to us. To the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home. To the skeptic, it might sound Receive Jesus into our lives, 
but that he's already received us into his. In my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall. It called me out of my darkness and carried me to the cross. In a moment, my eyes were open. In that moment, my heart was changed. Like a blinding light in the dead of night. It's the gospel. Oh, to the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home. Yeah, to the skeptic, it might sound crazy. They just go to church and sing them. And I thought, how true is it that we know the word and we know what we're singing is true, but sometimes we don't always believe the things that we're saying. We sing them without truly comprehending the greatness of what we're saying and who we're singing about. And so today I encourage you as we enter into this time of worship, let's make sure that as we sing these words, that we sing them from our heart, not as a lie and not just as words that come out of our lips, but something that we're truly saying because we serve a God that is able to do all those things and more. 